We thank you for your love, your compassion, and your care. Thank you, Father, for sending your son. That he, he looked down and he didn't say, I'm going to stay here in heaven and I'm going to be worshipped and, and y'all's going to struggle and, and we'll just see what happens. But you said, I'm going to remove myself from this. I am going to lay aside everything that I have and am as God. And I'm going to take upon the form of a man and I am going to learn what that is like so that you will have a high priest who is acquainted with grief and with the afflictions that is in this life. And so, Father, through this blessed name of Jesus, through your word, which says those that are sick come forward and ask, ask for the prayers, anointing them with oil. And it's the prayer of faith through the Lord's work that actually saves nothing that we are doing, but it's all through you and faith, giving ourselves humbly in this way to you. So, Father, we pray through Leroy as the representative for Brenda and for Junior and then for Ron and for Tim and for Vanessa and for everyone that's on the list and for Sharon and Ron Atkinson and everyone that I have overlooked right now and Jim just... We pray, Father, in the holy name of Jesus, that you will take care of them, that you will protect them, that you will watch over them, and that you will comfort them and place a hedge of protection and bring them all back safely to their appointed home. And here worshiping you, Father, and to be a light and a, a lightning rod for bringing folks to Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Terry and everyone for, for filling in for Ray. Uh, and then while they're gone, Pam's here. You should have just went ahead and brought your guitar to play along anyway. And uh, later on, we're even going to have some more uh, songs and special music at the end. And uh, the announcements we, we had last week, we, we let it be known that uh, the building was paid off. So thanks to all of you who have laid by and prepared and for all our second, we're going to have uh, a big deal and a celebration and a mortgage burning, and so it's just going to be a great time. And so, and we thank God for His faithfulness to this congregation, to this place, and and to all of us. And. Uh, so now if you want to open up your Bibles to uh, Luke 14, we're going to go back there again. And hello to the body of Christ and to all of you here. What a great day. We got some much needed rain last night, didn't we? Boy, we needed it. And I can see this was all really brown around us. And it's already starting to green up just overnight from that rain. It's wonder how how the water can just revive a plant. I've seen some of them that I forgot to plant for a while, and they would start to wilt and fall over, and you pour that water on them inside there, and by the end of the day, they're standing straight up. You know, Jesus does that with the water of life, doesn't he? We, we get all wilted down, we get all beat down by the heat of the day and the world and everything that's going on. But you come to him and you soak up his water of life and that Holy Spirit starts to flow out of you in that abundance of the water of life. And pretty soon everything's green and you're back up strong and standing tall. And uh, 
So if you're there with me in Luke 14, there's so much going on in this chapter. Man, if I, if I told you everything, we would be here till tonight. So we're only going to hit some high points. We're going to, we're going to do some cliff notes on it, but the Lord has really worked on me. Last week, we actually did the middle of it, verses 16 through 24, the parable of the good feast, we call it. But now, we're going to start with verse 1, and what I've titled this one is, is creating me a new heart, oh God. And so I want to play this song to prepare us for this, to just put our mind in the right frame as we get ready to go. Uh, I played it yesterday because I knew about it. This song it had always been kind of special. So after this, I thought, oh, wow, that song. And I played it. I got some tears rolling a little bit with it. And it just really touched my heart. So I want to share this with you all. So uh, I hope you enjoy it. about that while we had it set up it went to something different in between Shadow of your wings. 
the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Since they do not have the means to repay you, you will then be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. When one of those who was reclining at the table heard all of this, he said, Blessed is everyone who eats bread in the kingdom of God. Let's go back to verse 1. There is so much going on. I can't wait to share it. I hope the Holy Spirit moves me to be able to do it the way I felt it yesterday as I wrote this out. Now it happened, it says in verse 1. That's if to say, one day, Jesus, as he and the disciples are traveling along through the villages and everything, getting ready, and we're only a few months away from the time when he's going to go to the cross. He's in that final leg of the journey, and he's trying to teach everyone. He's trying to be an example. We're not told where this is at, what time during it. If we know it's close, a couple months away, but we don't know where. And it says, as he's going along on all these things, teaching everyone about the kingdom of God, he was invited to a dinner party at the house of the Pharisee to eat some bread on the Sabbath day. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to imagine today that we're there at that feast. We're getting ready to have lunch with the Lord, all right, and see what's going on. So let's pray as we get ready to have lunch with Jesus in this word. Father, we thank you for this day, for your son Jesus, for your Holy Spirit, and for your word. And Father, your word that lives and abides forever, this this is an actual event that took place some 2,000 years ago that you knew that we were going to study it today and that you put it in your word that will not ever disappear but will be with us through eternity. You placed it here for a purpose and for our learning and our benefit. And we pray, pray right now, Father, that you will open up our minds to be able to accept the teaching. To understand it and oh, to be able to see the depth of the wisdom and the knowledge that is here and how the whole thing was set up, Father. And through it all, our whole purpose is to learn for our benefit, but also to reciprocate that into our service and glory and honor towards you, Father, for you are our creator, our life sustainer in whom we live and move and enjoy our very being, Father. So we pray that you will enlighten us, that you will be exalted through it and magnified in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's go to lunch. No, we're not breaking up. It's not our lunch. It's lunch with Jesus. We're going to lunch with him. Okay. So I want you to know that on a normal day and on a normal lunch, this wouldn't be taking place because the Pharisees wouldn't want to have anything to do with Jesus. He wasn't their kind of person. Oh, You've heard him talk about Jesus, how that he was a wine-bibber and a glutton, and he hung out with people like those, those uh, sinners and the tax collectors and all those kind of people. We don't associate with that. They didn't like that. And that neither would they have brought this man before them that we're going to be introduced to here. They would have had nothing to do with him because he was a sick man. He was one that they would have felt like was going to make them unclean. And so they wouldn't have invited neither one of these, except they've got insidious thoughts going on of what they want to do to Jesus. And that's why they've invited all of them here. So these are devout men who were very religious. And what they would like to do is make up all kinds of rules. You know, 
they made up rules about everything because they felt high and mighty and in a position to be able to do that. And so they like to took what God's word says and make up their own rules about it. And it made them feel good about doing it and enforcing it as well. And one of their favorite subjects to talk about on making up rules was the Sabbath day. Oh, that was a big one. In Exodus 20, here's what the word of God said. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Six days you will labor and do all of your work in it. But on the seventh day, that's the Sabbath. That is the day of rest unto God. And it shall be to you to do no work. Not you, nor your sons, nor your daughter, nor your servants, your cattle, or even any stranger that's within your gates. So that's all that the word of God says about that at that point. Now these Pharisees, they're lawyers as well, and all of them. They couldn't let God explain what work was and let things go with that. No. They sat around and started making up a bunch of things about, well, what is work? We've got to define that for God. We've got to define what work is. And so they sat about with over 600 rules on the Sabbath day. Can you imagine trying to keep all of those and think about all of those things as your Sabbath day comes around? One day... I will give you a whole bunch of them when we talk about one of the Sabbath day events. I'm, I'm thinking about when Jesus and the disciples were walking through and they started picking the ears of the wheat as they walked through the field on the Sabbath day. And they were lying in wait, watching him like they were here, and they sprung on him. And I'll, I'll show you a whole bunch of these rules. I'll just give you a couple of them to whet your appetite today, okay? Okay, rule, rule number one. Uh, I, I seen out there today some folks brought some cucumbers and some zucchini for you, okay? A cucumber. Let, let's say you wanted to slice up a cucumber and have some cucumber uh, for your dinner. Well, you couldn't do that on the Sabbath day because that was work. So what they had to do was prepare that the day before and have it ready because if you peeled and sliced and cut and did all that, that was work. But let me show you even how much further they went. You sat down to your meal with your sliced cucumbers and you think, now today we'd probably put some ranch dressing with it or something. But you know, they liked it with salt. They didn't have ranch dressing yet. They hadn't invented that. So, but they did have salt. Now let me show you how nitpicky these Pharisees are with their rules, okay? They said to define work, you can... Dip that cucumber quickly in the salt and eat it, you're okay. But if you dip that in there and you're talking and you get distracted or you leave it for a second, you couldn't eat it. And actually, you just did work because if you leave it in salt too long, it pickles it. And pickling is work, and now you have just committed a sin on a Sabbath day. Yeah. Ladies, here's a good one for you. You got your, your nice Sabbath day dress on. You come out. And a horse plops some mud, and you get a big old blob of that stuff on you. You can't rinse it. You can't wash it, because rinsing and washing clothes is work. And the Pharisees defines that as work, and work on the Sabbath day is taboo, so you can't do that. So then they thought, evidently the wives chewed their ears a little bit and said, okay, what are we supposed to do then? So they sit around. These guys would sit around for years bannering this stuff back and forth on what's proper ways of doing things. 
So they finally come up with this. If you let it dry and get really dry, you could crumple it one time and let go. And if that cleared it off, good for you. But if that didn't do it, sorry, Charlie, because if you do it more than that, then that's work. And you just worked on the Sabbath, and that's a sin, and you just disgraced yourself. Now, isn't that crazy? That's just two of over 600. But we live at the same time today, don't we? Mm -hmm. They keep, people like to make laws and say, oh, I've got an idea, and they will put this law into effect, and I've got another one. And pretty soon, we've painted ourselves into a corner. But here's the, you know what the overriding thing is with it all? Pride. Pride. Because it makes somebody feel good to come up with an idea, to put it into a law, and enforce it on everyone else that you have to do it. It's pride. It's arrogance. It's all of these things. And especially when you get to be lawyers and you think that you have a right, a privilege to do that. So here's these Pharisees and these lawyers who have made all of these rules. And now they are there. And for a certain purpose, their whole purpose is to prove that Jesus Christ is not who he says he is, that he's not God. They want to disgrace him and dismantle his ministry in front of everyone by causing him to work. Because they knew the character of Jesus was that if they saw this man with dropsy, that he would heal him. And to heal on the Sabbath day is work, and now we've got him trapped. So that was their whole plan, the scheme. They put the cheese out there with the bait. So as we get back to our story now, let's go to lunch in verse 1. And he went into the house, and there they, they've heard the word of God. They've now left. They're going there to eat bread. You know why bread? They could bake it the day before and eat it the next day. He didn't do no work on the Sabbath day. So that's why bread was the main meal after the Sabbath. So they go home. They're getting ready to have, have this uh, bread and they're all sitting there, and it says in the scripture that they started watching Jesus. The heart, the pride is going to be the thing that we have to pay attention to all of this. You remember the Pharisee who was praying, and he looked over there, and there was, there was the guy who was all forlorn, and he was saying, Father, forgive me, for I'm a sinful person. And that Pharisee looked over there, and he was like... God, I'm thankful I'm not like that guy over there. And, and you remember all the things that I do for you, right? That's this attitude that we're dealing with here, this pride in the heart. And so this guy that they have brought up to Jesus now and invited, he's a fish out of water. He's not comfortable. He knows what they think about him. You see, their idea, just like the man born blind, their first question was, who did sin, this man or his father and mother, that he's got this? They always associated that kind of thing with, you done something wrong, and, and God's putting some judgment on you, laying it upside your head. So normally they wouldn't have invited this guy. They coerced him for, for whatever reason, whether they bribed him with money, whether they told him also that maybe this guy really could do it, whatever reason, they've invited this guy like a fish out of water to be there, and they've placed him down in front of Jesus. And it doesn't take Jesus long to just figure out exactly what all's going on. So he looks around, 
And they brought him here, and it says they were watching Jesus closely to see what he was going to do. That word there is an insidious word, watching closely. This is a terrible word that means that you are doing something with scrupulous, unscrupulous instincts. With, it's very bad. You've set the trap, and you're just waiting so that you can spring upon it. That's what this word means. And now they've put the bait, I mean the man, in front of Jesus. And now he's standing there, and Jesus takes one look at this man. He knows what they're up to. He knows exactly why everything that's going on. And I'm sure that when he looked upon this man, he felt so much compassion. I'm sure he related to him in such a way by saying, you know what? I know that they don't accept you. They don't accept me. We're kind of in this thing together. This guy, he, he's probably heard them talk and say all these things as they used to like to puff themselves up and tell them, you're sinful. It's because of this. That's, that's the way they treated him. So he doesn't want to be there. He's uncomfortable. But he's holding on to that slim hope that maybe the things that I've heard about this Jesus, maybe he will heal me of my condition. So Jesus comes up to him and says, is it lawful? But before that, we get a description of this man. It says there in verse 2, in front of Jesus was a man suffering from dropsy. Does anybody have any idea what dropsy is? I mean, I think of dropsy. When I read that, I know you know what it means. <laughs> but when I think of dropsy, yeah, because Terry's been an EMT and all kinds of stuff. He, he knows what's going on. He knows where the root word is, and he studied the word of God. But you, you look up the word for dropsy, I'm thinking, okay, a guy that's butterfingered, you can't hold on to anything, always dropping something. I'm thinking, could it be a Bell's palsy type thing where your face is dropped a little bit on one side? They talk about a drop foot that you've got a nerve that's pinched and you can't raise that foot up. What exactly is dropsy? And then I look up the word. You know what the word is? The word is hydropecus. It's a compound word. Hydropecus. Is everything okay? Okay. Just wanted to make sure. Okay. Hydropecus. It's a compound word. And the first part is hydro. Do you remember what hydro is? Water. Water. Okay, so we got water. And picos is a form of another word that means to look like. So in other words, dropsy is hydropecus, which means you are holding water. You are puffed up. You are really bloated. The normal medical term for it now is edema. And it can be for organ failures. It's not a disease. It's the symptom of something that's going wrong. One of your organs, mainly congestive heart failure, whenever you start having that, your body begins to swell up with fluids. That's what this word means. This man, it's not dropsy. It is congestive heart failure or a problem with the liver and organ that has filled his body up, swelled him up, and he is now slowly, when you have a severe case like this, you are slowly drowning 
in your own body fluids in your lungs, okay? This whole picture going on of what's really wrong with these Pharisees and lawyers. This man is physically doing something that they are spiritually. They are spiritually drowning in anger, in vindictiveness, in mental attitude sins, in pride. They have a heart condition. They got congestive heart failure spiritually, but they won't have nothing to do with this man who physically is a picture of what they are spiritually. And so here, here we go. They got he's got this underlying condition. And and Jesus looks at him with edema. You are, as I said, your body is filling up with the fluid. I've seen, I looked it up with images and pictures when you, I mean, you could, they, they was poking people and your finger was sticking because of like a sponge. Uh, you get so filled up with this. And this is, I want you to remember that because it shows the beauty of the Holy Spirit through this thing. He's swollen. He's a ridicule man. He's drowning in his fluids. And Jesus answered that. He knew their thoughts. They're keeping silence. And now it says Jesus answered them. You know why? Because he can read their mind. And he knows the setup. And he knows the game. And he knows what they're thinking. And he answers them and says now. And he says, uh, Is it lawful? <laughs> Here's lawyers. And he's asking them. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? That's a good question, isn't it? The main thing is, is it lawful by your laws or is it lawful by the word of God? And so, but it says that they're going to keep silent against this. He knew their intent behind all this. And catch this, the man is swollen. He's, there's no evidence of any kind of sin, but they think that there is. These Pharisees and lawyers are slowly drowning themselves in a heart problem called pride, and they cannot see the error of their way. So, in other words, it's like that one parable that Jesus told where he said that you're trying to pull the splinter out of this guy's eye. Well, you've got what? A log. Yeah, you've got a big old log, a big old plank in your eye. So, you know, here, they're the ones that's really got the real problem with the spiritual relationship with God and their heart problems. So now, as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. And so they are swelled up themselves with pride and arrogance and hatred. And Jesus said one time, you'll remember this, he said, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles the man, is it? He said, but it's what comes out. For what comes out of the mouth comes from what's inside of the heart and how it's moved by those things and where it originates. And as a man thinketh in that heart, so he is. And that is who you really are. As you look at this man in a physical thing and you're looking at, oh, I would have nothing to do with him. In reality, inside, that is what you are to God with the attitude of your heart now. And all the while, they don't even see what's going on. So Jesus says... Come on now with it. Is it lawful for me to heal on the Sabbath day or not? And they won't answer. Verse 4 says they kept silent. They couldn't or they wouldn't answer that question. You know, people with heart problems don't really care what you have to say when it's spiritual heart problems and what's going on. They couldn't answer because they would condemn themselves if they answered this. Because if they said it's lawful, it goes against everything that they're teaching. 
But if they say it's not lawful, they're thinking maybe he won't do this and he won't fulfill the trap that we've got going on. So they kept silent. And then Jesus does something that's totally, totally awesome. Kurt, I didn't get to give you a hug today. Come here, man. Come here. Jesus did something totally awesome. It says that when they couldn't answer him on whether it's lawful to heal the man or not, here's what it says. It says there, they kept silent. He took a hold of him, healed him, and sent him away. He didn't take a hold of him. Epilambano means to do this. <laughs> Epilambano is to seize, to grab, to give a bear hug. In other words, the Lord, thanks Kurt, the Lord gave a big bear hug to me. Uh, and then it says, he healed him. Think of a sponge filled with water. We go back to what he's got going on with this edema. What do you do to get rid of the water? And when you squeeze it, what happens? It runs out, doesn't it? Epilambano means to seize forcefully. He gives him a big bear hug, and it's right before their very eyes as Jesus is hugging this man. His body is going back to normal, and he squeezes the pudding out of him, and he gets done. The man has a new body, a new organ, a new heart, and he squeezed all the water out of him. And then because Jesus knows that this guy is so uncomfortable and wasn't even welcome there, and really, this guy is now blessed, and these guys are going to get some fire and brimstone, so he says, go on. Go ahead and leave. I want you to go ahead and get out of here. And he's probably thinking, man, i got to go tell some folks about what the Lord has done for me. i got to get out there. I'm going to tell my wife. I'm going to tell the family. I'm going to tell everybody that I can. And how I know that is if you've got your Bibles open and you go down to verse 25, which we might hit in a week or two. He's, it says that as soon as Jesus gets done with what he's going to do to these Pharisees, immediately as he leaves that place, it says that a multitude was there waiting on him and went to follow him. Why would a multitude be there? Because they just heard what he'd done. He just squeezed all the water out of that man and cured his heart problem as he did it. And now he's going to turn to the Pharisees because they're the ones that's really got this heart problem here. And uh, so now he, he responds to him. Look at verse 5. Before before they could get even more puffed up in their pride and get ready to launch into Jesus for healing on the Sabbath. He just did what they had baited him into doing. He, before they could do it, Jesus looks at them and, look, this is beautiful. He said unto them now, before you start talking, which one of you would have a son or an ox and on the Sabbath day it falls into a well and you wouldn't immediately go out and save him from what? What would happen if you fell into a well? What's in a well? Water. What happens if they would fall into a deep well? What was this man doing? See, this is why you got to know what that word drops him in. Because it's the whole thing that ties this whole, whole parable in. He was drowning in his own fluids and they was looking down upon him. But in their pride and their arrogance and in their little rule, you can't save that man on the Sabbath day. And Jesus says, wait a minute, before you start jumping into me, which one of you would have a son 
or even an ox fall into a well. And there's wells all over the place. That's the only way they had water. They didn't have it in the houses and piped in. Which one of you? It happened all the time. In Exodus, you go back to Exodus, there's even rules about going and getting them out and even your neighbor's stuff out of the well, even on a Sabbath day, so that you could. He said, which one of you wouldn't do that to save your son or your ox from drowning? You see the beauty of the Holy Spirit, how he ties all of this stuff in here? Jesus says, which one of you wouldn't do that? Can you imagine the depth and the beauty now? And all of a sudden, they have to sit around and think about this. The moral of the whole story is that they are hypocrites. He just called them that in the chapter before that, if you read chapter 13. But they have a spiritual heart disease. They're slowly drowning. And what he's trying to get them to realize, this isn't about the man. It's not about the well. It's not about sons and daughters. It's about you. It's about you. You've got a heart problem. And you are slowly drowning in your pride and your arrogance and your vindictiveness and your hatreds and everything that sees from within you out. And you are the one that has to heal this and allow me to fix this for you. And in verse 6, it says again up there that they could not respond again. But why? Because they would have been guilty. They saved their sons and their oxes. Things that meant something to them and the ox was money. And you didn't want to have to try to replace something like that. That's like their automobile. That's like you're driving your car into there. I don't want to have to replace it, so I'm getting him out. They couldn't answer him because they were all guilty as charged. And so they couldn't say nothing to him for healing this man. And there's no response. And sadly, it says, uh, where's the time gone? I was going to get down to verse 15, but we're not going to make it. But here's what he says. Here's what really matters. It originates in your heart and in your mind. And it's rooted there in my attitude and what is in my heart and my mind usually comes out and betrays who I am. And that, he says, is what defiles a person. It wasn't the edema that the man had that you just see. It wasn't that I healed on the Sabbath. The real problem is, is what's going on in our hearts. And so now, that's where I had to get personal this week and take a look and say, do I have a chronic heart problem? Do I have congestive heart failure spiritually? Do I have any of these mental attitude things that, that are creeping up and trying to take root within me and my life? Do, do I slowly begin to fill up with this fluid? And I don't see it, I don't realize it because it's happening so slowly. And all the while, I don't realize that I am drowning in my own attitude. If so, I need to present myself before Jesus like this man did. I need to ask him for that help in getting rid of that. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to give you another big bear hug. And he's going to hold you there for a minute. And he's going to squeeze all of that water, all of that edema, all of that mental attitude problems out of you. And as you pray and you ask, he's going to heal you of that. And he's going to create within you a new, clean heart, oh God, so that I can be like you.
in all thy ways. Amen. Praise team, come on, come on back up. And uh, may we take the words of this wonderful section of scripture that the Holy Ghost put in here to let us know about our heart problems. If you have never, by faith, believed in Jesus as the Son of God and came to seek and to save that which is lost, ladies, you can come up too. Now's your, now's your cue. I think they're going to do Old Brother Cross tonight. But uh, if you've not ever, by faith, accepted Jesus as your Savior, today's the day. We've got the baptistry ready. We've got clothes back there. We've got everything prepared. Don't let another day pass without naming Jesus as your Savior and dying to self and creating within you a new heart. And if you've already done that, as you self-examine, if you need to, ask the Lord for strength and help. We live in such a time and such an energized and hyped up media-driven world today that it really works upon the hearts of people and on your mind and it can drive you into some things that you wouldn't normally want to do. So if that's the case, ask him today for help. Tell him, Lord, I'm presenting myself to you just like that man. I got some dropsy going on. I've got some heart problems. I, I want you to hold me, squeeze me, and forgive me of everything, Father. And so everything is ready. And let's pray real quick. And I'm going to pray through Psalm 51 because I love Psalm 50. And I love to pray through the Psalms. And let's go to our Lord in prayer as we close this out for help. And Father, let my sin be squeezed out and emptied from me like a sponge. Cleanse my soul from heart disease and slowly it is trying to drown me. Create in me a new clean heart, O oh God. Purify me. Wash me. And I shall be whiter than snow. Let me be like you instead of what my flesh wants to do. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Let only your truth resonate from my innermost being. Lord, do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. May I teach others your way. May my tongue only be used to teach and joyfully sing of your righteousness. So open up my lips now, Lord, to declare your praise. Don't despise my broken and contrite heart, O God. But restore to me the joy of your salvation. Sustain me in my journey with you with a willing spirit. And help me to walk in all my ways with thee. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.